If you leave the studio in anything above like a totally negative, self-hateful sort of um, zone feelings-wise, then you're doing really well, at least for me. And I think a lot of times a great studio day, you leave and you are sort of in like a daze, like you totally disappeared into making that song or the couple of songs that day and you get out of there and you're sort of like blinking your eyes at the rest of the world. Bluegrass, like Americana, like any other label or word that we use to describe music, it has necessarily some kind of connotation and very seldom is a band striving to achieve the word that has preceded them. If you make stuff that you really love, there will be people to listen to it. And we're so lucky that we get audiences to come and listen to what we make. But we don't try to reverse engineer something, I don't think, to say like, well, if people have had more hits on this tune, we better recreate that again. I think that would probably take a lot of the joy out of what we do. Libby Rodenbow, Wood Robinson, and Joseph Terrell are members of the four-piece band Mipso, five when they bring in a drummer. Heard there in our interview just ahead of their set at this summer's Reevestock Music Festival when they played this version of Edge's Run that you're hearing now. It's a band that mandolin player Jacob Sharp called unlikely because none of them studied music when they met in college and none of them thought music was going to be a career, nothing beyond their initial love of other bands and of playing together. If Mipso is an unlikely band, it is also quite an exceptional one. Now set to release their fifth album, their sixth if you count their Mipso Trio debut before Libby joined. They were in the middle of recording their new record during the time we got together in the small city of Elkin, North Carolina. I'm your host, Joe Kendrick, and this is Southern Songs and Stories, inviting you to find out more about the members and the music of the band Mipso. Southern Songs and Stories is produced in partnership with Grassroots Radio, WNCW, and the Osiris Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcast and at wncw.org. One of the easiest ways to help spread awareness of the artists featured here on Southern Songs and Stories, their music, and this series is to subscribe to the podcast and to give it a good rating and a comment on the platforms where you listen. This is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South and the artists who make it. This month, check out Inside Out with Turner and Seth as they preview Atlanta Pop, celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Atlanta International Pop Festival, the December event which celebrates the first rock music festival in Georgia by performing the music of the original festival artists, including Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Led Zeppelin, Allman Brothers Band, Joe Cocker, Booker T and the MGs, and many more, played by an all-star house band, joined by special guests. Inside Out with Turner and Seth is available on podcast platforms everywhere and at OsirisPod.com. So Nikki Parat played there, and um, Howard Levy's been twice, and the big jazz people have we had. It's a great band out of D.C. The setting for this episode is an unusual one. 
Right now, you're hearing audio taken in Jeff and Christy's kitchen. They are the couple who welcomed Mipso and many more bands to their property for the festival called Reevestock. Southern Songs and Stories listeners may know that name and the host band, Time Sawyer, who were featured here on a previous episode. Sam Taylor of Time Sawyer invited me to the summer's two-day event where I emceed the first night and interviewed Mipso the next. Reevestock is a hybrid event, part music festival, part private party, part benefit held every August in Elkin, North Carolina, population 4,001. You heard Janet Kenworthy in the kitchen just now talking with some of the performing artists about her own music venue, The Rooster's Wife, located about 140 miles away in the city of Aberdeen, North Carolina, which has half again as many residents as Elkin. This is the kind of scene that played out the whole weekend, a mixture of Southern hospitality, a reunion of friends and family, new friendships being made, and music at the center of it all. Thank you for supporting us. It, we, we were in Montana and Colorado last week, and we, as you heard in our introduction, are going to Europe in just a couple of weeks. And, uh, man, it's just so nice that North Carolina is home. What a supportive place to lift us up all the time. So, so thank you for having us. Thanks for making bands like us. I think about this a lot, actually. I, I don't think we would be a band if we were from somewhere else. So I'm, I'm just very grateful that this is where we all grew up and uh, where our families and friends and such wonderful, loving musical communities are. So thanks to Reevestock for having us. We got one more for you. We're called Mipso from Chapel Hill. And, uh, man, this has been a treat. Next time we're around, if we can't play, we'll just be hanging out with you because this is a good Saturday night.
was A Servant to It, a song on Mipso's fifth album, Edges Run. You heard them play the title track earlier in the show. They had driven in from Asheville that afternoon after waking up in Nashville that morning and would go right back to Echo Mountain Recording Studios in Asheville after their set that night to continue recording their upcoming record. Some things have happened since Edges Run. Uh, You've had a new single, at least one, right? Get out while you can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There yeah. you go. I want to talk about that record in context of your previous work because it stands out as, you know, it's an ambitious work. Um, I think it has, just from first blush, a bit more of a, you know, perhaps a jazz sensibility. You know, where you started was somewhere in a context of, anything called grass and i don't think you're there anymore i think it's more of something that has johnny mitchell or chris thiele in the ballpark than what you had before so can you talk about where you're at talk about those things sure i think uh we've talked about this a lot over the years as we've been making more and different records and i think the goal really has stayed the same for us which is to make a record that feels like, like what it was saying, like a cool challenge, but an honest combination of our four personalities. And it makes sense to me that the combination would be different every time we try it, you know? And I think 
I'm excited that we, that we can still put our heads together and come up with something that sounds like it combined all of us. And when we did I Just Run, it was like for sure a snapshot of that part of our lives. Like you mentioned Joni and Chris Dealey, like those are cool, cool references and people that we've been exposed to a lot. Um, I think if we had made the same batch of songs like six months later, it probably would have turned out really different too. But that's something I like about making records that way that's like see what we can pull out of ourselves in a really honest way and true to what we're, we're listening to and what we what we like. I, th- I think um, they're probably part of what maybe makes that record feel like it has more of a jazz sensibility, as you were saying, would be the drumming. Um, that was a jazz drummer that we had on there, and, and a, our producer also comes from a jazz background, as does our bass player, Wood. And I, it's not that we were... Uh, I don't think we ever use the word jazz or we're like leaning toward jazz, but I think that we, the more that we make music together, the less we feel constrained to um, make music in a genre. And I think therefore there's influences from all sorts of genres that can shine through at a given moment because that's, you know, the side of us that happens to be showing that day. And I think as Joseph said, that might, that might, that thing about a different record every six months might be more true now than it was a few years ago when we started making music and we were using tradition to anchor ourselves because we were, it was all a new process and we were wondering like, well, what sort of music should we make? And we, we kind of like, we found some places to hang our hat. And now I think we feel more and more like you can just hang your hat anywhere. There's just places all around you. It is a funny thing. Uh, language that we use to describe things though it it just brings to mind that as soon as you uh, start adding any sort of complexity that you didn't use to use in your everyday life it's labeled as jazz because people think oh there's more than three notes to a chord it must be jazz music <laughs> Mipso is at that place in a band's lifespan where they have come of age but have not stopped maturing either They tour about two-thirds of the year, around 150 dates nationally and internationally. They are a full-time band carving out space in a niche of the musical territory first claimed by Bill Monroe, but they aren't content with sitting in place there in grassland. They are staking claim on some new real estate, as evidenced with the evolution of their sound on their last record especially. Take a song like A Couple Acres Greener from their first album, to their latest single, Get Out While You Can, which was released in between their last album and their upcoming one. I've never been so hungry Seems like 22 years I've been looking for a fight Never stay in school for long Couldn't keep my patience on Never had the motivation quite To get my timing right I want my story to begin There's a time to save up And a time to spend I'm too young for the past tense All this worrying about Oh, it might have been Should have been a preacher, man Let the good book show me where to stand Insert the halfway home. Oh, oh. Should have 
their single get out while you can listen to all the new layers here drums keyboards and that guitar solo it's a different ball game while they haven't done a complete 180 mipso has altered course and that song's lyrics could even be interpreted as commenting on this change in direction getting away from grassland and more towards a roots pop hybrid that is a bit reminiscent of say early dire straits or even mid-2000s ani defranco when Mipso's producer Todd Sikafus was in the band for her albums Knuckle Down and Reprieve. Mipso's current sound can be credited at least in part to his production, which is informed by his background in jazz and his work with artists like DeFranco, Andrew Bird, and guitarist Nels Klein, to name a few. However, he is not producing their next album, and the band is keeping who their current producer is a secret until closer to its release in the spring of 2020. Mipso is certainly not pushing aside their earlier songs. Even though the band was in the middle of recording their new album when I saw them at Reefstock, they weren't playing anything from it yet. One of the highlights that night was this performance of a tune from their first album. Here's Louise on Southern Songs and Stories. had much luck Just a couple of kids with a lot of love We laid our fortunes on her daddy's old farm We didn't see how dirt could do such harm The seasons came and the seasons left The only thing that changed was the shape of her dress And she said you're a good man and you will have my child But you can't raise a living thing on this cursed old ground We laid sheet on the piano keys Crying, good Lord, please, please We back the things to the old farm car Just wondering if it could take us very far Sets low like a couple of jackrabbits dance in the morning snow. I knew he'd make it if we could just get out. The only thing we saw was something sound. The miles came and the miles went. 
Our hearts were full, but our money spent. Somewhere outside El Paso, while the weeds cried out. She took my arm and she said, It's time now. I prayed and waited all night. Oh, please, please, please. I heard a new voice with a new day. And I thought back to what a daddy used to say. He said, Everything about it takes. That's Louise from Mipso's album Dark Holler Pop, released in 2013, when making and releasing an album was their one goal. They never had their sights set on being one of Rolling Stone's 10 new country artists you should know, or of topping the bluegrass charts, or any of the many superlatives they've earned since their beginnings, playing campus events at UNC Chapel Hill some eight years ago. Theirs is an unlikely story, and one that shows just how powerful an attraction music has, because the members of MIPSO are playing music and are not becoming the next commissioners for the Atlantic Coast Conference, they're not on their way to being mayors or governors, university deans, or listed in Forbes magazine's 100 Most Powerful Women in the World. But they're cut from that kind of cloth, which is to say that three of them are more headcane scholars, whose alumni ranks boast of all the aforementioned careers and then some. Instead of becoming the next captains of industry or the next directors of prestigious institutes, Libby, Joseph, Wood, and Jacob are spending their days becoming the next version of MIPSO. And they're not the only gifted people taking a pass on the corporate ladder. I spoke with Bridget Kearney from the band Lake Street Dive about this. Bridget is soon to tour with MIPSO in her duo with Benjamin Lazar Davis. And their project is also producing a new album scheduled for release in the spring of 2020. We made an album last year. We spent a month in Accra, Ghana, um, which is a place that we had traveled to once before together. Five years ago, we were there for about a month as well. And we were studying a bunch of music and interacting with a bunch of the local musicians there in Ghana. 
And then we, we wrote and recorded an EP the last time we were there. This time we went for the full album. So um, a lot of like co-writing with uh, some really cool local musicians. And uh, there's a lot of like featured artists on the record. And it was just a really incredible process. And yeah, we're, we're really stoked to share it with people. Talking about brains among musicians here now, you know, you've got a pretty advanced skill set having written so much of Lake Street Dives music. And I have the feeling that, you know, your IQ isn't hurting. Um, the band members of Mipso have some brains on them, too. They've, you know, several of them are Moorhead Kane scholars. And it got me thinking about, in general, about how t- music people, uh, music artists tend to be pretty smart, honestly. And I think there's statistics to back that up. But on an, a more an amusing level, I thought, you know, if music can poach talent like this and snag people away from the corporate ladder, you know, like what chance do these boring jobs have if music can get folks like you? Right. That is a good question. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I think it, it does, it's something that really like tickles my intellectual curiosity. I'm always finding new things to like obsess over in the world of, of like the way music works. And so it's just like a really satisfying and endless pursuit of figuring out how it all works. There's like so many little things that you can get into. Somebody was just talking to me the other day about just intonation, which is like a really mathematical based system of like tuning on the harmonic series and they create these resonant pitches and I only got scratched the surface of that, but it seemed like a whole world that I'd never even imagined before. And you can, you can get into, and you don't even have to like go to the office, which is great. Um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, there, there's also, I mean, to be honest, sometimes this question where it's like, should I be doing something different with my brain? <laughs> you know, should I be like contributing to society in like a more concrete way on a daily basis you know um and that's something that i think musicians sometimes and creative people struggle with and you you try to just like make sure that you're doing your part like with within the music and also in your in your daily life to make sure you're uh you know putting your your work to good use well i think it's a calling and this is where you're supposed to be honestly i think you're doing just what you're supposed to be doing thank you I'll, i'll keep trying Here's a bit of Bridget Kearney and Benjamin Lazar Davis from their first EP titled Bawa and the tune Slow Rider. And coming up, a word from the Osiris Podcast Network. After Midnight, Fish's Big Cypress Festival, a new five-episode podcast from Osiris, is the story of how Fish staged one of the strangest concerts in the history of rock music. 
My name is Jesse Jarno. Join us as we explore how Fish invented their own telepathic, jam-obsessed musical language, built an independent concert industry, and how both came together in the Florida Everglades for an improvisation-filled performance that landed a 15-foot-long hot dog with headlights in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We'll hear from band members Trey Anastasio. You know, I think we felt like this party was for our friends. And John Fishman. That was the end of a chapter of Fish's life, that and, and my life. Former Fish manager John Paluska and others will tell the dramatic, untold story of Fish at Big Cypress. We had to get some alligator wrangler to pull an 11-foot alligator out of the backstage area. That was interesting. <laughs> Uh, that was a big alligator. We'll refill the swamp and revisit a legendary independent festival that came to transform the music industry despite being ignored by the mainstream. Fish found someplace better and left behind a map to Big Cypress. After Midnight debuts November 14th on all podcast platforms, visit OsirisPod.com slash After Midnight to subscribe today. If you're out there on the highways, if you're within the sound of our voice, you're near to Big Cypress, Florida. So, this is called Southern Songs and Stories, and I always ask this question, which is, what parts of Southern culture do you have in your music, whether it be in any broad strokes or specifically, and do you have any insight on the flip side of that, what you might be giving back to that culture, because you're from North Carolina. Am I right? Right? All of us are, yeah. Whether it's food or just uh, interaction with your neighbors and friends, what have you. The first part of the question was about how we reflect Southern culture in our music. What's, what's in there? Well, um, we're all, all our music is original music and songwriting has always been a big part of what this band is about. And I think when you write a song, you're sort of like a conduit for all the influences that have touched you in your life. And because we all grew up in the South and because we are very concerned with what it means to be a Southerner, we've all chosen to stay here. Um, and we all have really complicated feelings about um, about being a part of this culture, complicated, you know, on every part of the spectrum from intense love to intense, you know, disappointment. Um, I think that our songs have a lot of what it feels like to be a Southerner in this time, um, in them because we're writing about our lives and that's such a huge part of all our identities, and I, we could be more specific. I mean, there's certainly, like, references to landscapes around here and foods that we had growing up. But even more than that, I would say our songs are a reflection of, you know, they're, like, breathing representations of being a Southerner in That's good, Liv. You should write our bio. That's really good. Uh, no, I agree. I think... Um, also, the South, if you could be broad about this sort of thing, is very self-aware and is constantly telling its own story and so and very aware of its history you know reliving that history and, and like steeped in an understanding of itself it's not just a place on the highway you know it's like a a place with a history and i do think our songs a lot of them have a real sense of place and talk about place and talk about home and that kind of push and pull of home and away from home 
And also we, you know, have learned a lot from, uh, you know, old time and bluegrass music. And I don't think we're these days really trying to be super, um, to kind of like, you know, open up the hood, I think of our going back to the studio question. It's not like we treat a song like, okay, we have a song now. How do we make it uh, reference old time bluegrass music? But like when I go home and pick with my friends, like we play a lot of bluegrass tunes. So that's just like, I love that music. So it kind of makes sense to me that it comes out in some of our songs and hopefully it comes out naturally rather than uh, in a sort of like a forcing it to fit kind of way. Yeah. You know, like the, the latest single get out while you can is much more percussive. It's kind of more electric and you've used some pedal steel in your last record and that didn't used to happen. So I love that. Yeah. I mean, oftentimes I think that the way that we talk about any kind of culture is a little bit cliche and fetishized and, uh, just by nature of being who we are and conveying the music that we like, we are, in fact, adding to the the canon that is Southern music. I mean, Libby used to did a did a, a festival at UNC for a couple of years that was anything that could be labeled as Southern music's, which is uh, traditionally thought of as country and bluegrass and old time, but any. Oh, or blues or yeah but anything that is made in the south is in fact southern music mm-hmm. whether or not it can be written about in garden and gun the miso thing so i can't escape that i um, i'm sorry i've got you here so yeah the whole the etymology or the uh the original the origination story of of mipso so the defunct chip japanese manufacturer the p in the miso what is it yeah i encourage everyone to go to our wikipedia page to learn more <laughs> That's a podcast. You can tell people to ride in the streets. <laughs> While we're here, vote for Bernie Sanders. <laughs> what does what does Mipso mean? You you haven't let it go, and that's it's still a thing. Yeah. So let's keep well, it going. You, you know, the truth. from what I've heard, there are bands out there who have names that everyone understands immediately, and that people just like they get it, and they just like get it always, and they just stop thinking about it. Yeah, and I feel bad for those pe- those bands that they don't have this sort of abiding sense of mystery about right. them. I think that that's sort of a sad way to go about it. So, that's my answer. Okay, all right, it goes on. That's what I thought. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> that's all for now. Thanks for listening to Southern Songs and Stories. We invite you to like and follow the show on our social media either on our Facebook page or Twitter at South Scenes or Instagram at South Stories or all of the above. I'll be glad to correspond with you by email from southernsongsandstories at gmail.com or from Joe K at wncw.org. Southern Songs and Stories is a part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and the Osiris Podcast Network with all of their podcasts available at osirispod.com. And you can also hear new episodes of Southern Songs and Stories on Bluegrass Planet Radio at bluegrassplanetradio.com. Coming up just in time for Thanksgiving is a special episode all about the holiday, its history, and some fun songs about food. We also look forward to episodes on the Austin, Texas band Los Coast and South Carolina's Marcus King, who worked with Dan Auerbach on his new album. Plus, WNCW broadcasts capsule versions of these podcasts, on the FM dial once a week, thanks to producer Kim Clark. I'm your host, Joe Kendrick, encouraging you to go see some live music and support the artists you enjoy here on Southern Songs and Stories. We leave you with this Guy Clark cover from Mipso's performance at Reevestock.
Forget. 